You're listening to episode 384 of the GNU World Order. My name is Klaatu, and in this episode we are going to continue our walk through all of the packages installed by default on Slackware Linux. Right now we're in the AP software set, so these are general applications. And we're going to start with Soma, S-O-M-A. But before we start, dear listener, I would like to do a public service announcement. A couple of episodes ago now, geez, months ago now, I spoke about what's happening in 2020, which is the 2020 COVID-19 pandemic. It is a disease that is literally ravaging the entire planet, or that is ravaging literally the entire planet. And it's very, very serious and very dangerous. I am very lucky to live in New Zealand. And the response here in New Zealand has been second to none. Almost literally. I think Singapore and New Zealand are two of the countries that have had one of the most effective responses. When COVID-19 touched down on New Zealand, my immediate thought was, well, we're all going to get it. We're, we're a small community, relatively speaking, and we're on an island, so it's not like you can sort of get away from it. It's going to spread quickly. People here are very mobile. People live on the South Island and fly to work on the North Island. Not in droves, but there is a lot of traveling. People people don't stay put here in New Zealand. They they go around. They they get around a lot. It's it's relatively close quarters, not severely, not oppressively, but it is a small island. People tend to pile up on top of each other more or less. So I figured this was going to be bad. But the response by the New Zealand government was to hand over control, as it were, to the scientists to people who studied epidemiology, microbiology, and that sort of thing. And what the scientists advised is what everyone did. And to be clear, it has been difficult. It was... it it meant a total true lockdown. And by total and true lockdown, I mean there were literally no people outside of their homes for a full... 60 or 70 days. I'm using the word literally a little bit liberally here because it wasn't literal. There were emergency response teams that were available in case of, I don't know, fire or, or I don't know, a heart attack, that, that sort of thing. There were people in pharmacies so that people could get medicines that they relied upon to, to survive. Things like that. But there were no restaurants open. There were no cafes or bars or uh, big box stores or anything like that. Everything was shut down for a a full 70 days-ish. Might not have been 70 days for a full shutdown, Um, but it was because we we did it by degrees. And it worked. It it worked. It got rid of COVID-19. Today, we don't have COVID-19 in New Zealand. We do everything as as normal, nearly. We we track our movement and things like that just in case there is a flare-up of COVID somewhere which happens from time to time. Some, you know, one or two people will get it uh, because someone will be returning from a different country. They'll come in, they are quarantined for 14 days, they're, they're tested, they come back negative, they go out into the wild. Oh, turns out they were positive, the test was wrong, and so on. So it happens, it can happen. But functionally, we are COVID-19 free, and that's a huge, huge deal. It's very liberating, it's very refreshing, and I don't take it for granted, not for a minute. Literally every time I go outside, which admittedly isn't isn't that often, but when I do, I think about that. I think about the uniqueness of my ability 
to step outside my house and walk down to the cafe, the Prospector Cafe, and grab a cup of coffee. Like, that's a, that's, I know that that's unusual to be able to do that without a mask, without thinking about, am I going to catch a, a disease that could kill me, or that I could pass on to someone more, in a probably more vulnerable position and then kill them. Now, I'm saying all of this, dear listener, because there are places in the world, including my original home, the place where I'm from, the U.S., that are not dealing with this virus effectively. And I've been told that I shouldn't worry about that because I'm not there. I'm not in the U.S., so why bother worrying about the state of the U.S.? And I get that. There's a lot of truth to that. There's nothing I can do about the U.S., directly. I'm not there. I can't affect change in any real sense. But as you can imagine, having come from the U.S., I have a lot of family in the U.S. And this past week, my partner has had a family member very close to her contract COVID-19. And this family member, tragically, has been sent to hospital and is, as I record this, in the intensive care unit fighting for her life in a in a very real sense. If she survives, her lungs are probably not going to work anymore. They're probably not going to at least work fully. She will be on an oxygen tank probably for the rest of her life. She's an elderly woman and and this probably isn't going to leave her unscarred both physically and mentally because the the trauma of the degrees of recovery uh, and 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 the things that they've had to do in the hospital to ensure that she does not die have been all but horrific. And so I'm saying this to you, dear listener, that COVID-19 is a serious, serious disease, especially for people in vulnerable positions, such as the elderly or people with, with, with respiratory, uh, who are prone to respiratory problems, people with, with, low immune systems and, and that sort of thing. And so I'm urging you, dear listener, if you ever are sitting around thinking, why am I sitting at home all day? I, I can look out my window and see other people walking around. Some of them don't even have masks on. Why am I doing this? Am I the crazy one? I promise you, dear listener, you are not the crazy one. You are the noble one. You are doing work. You are doing something good and positive for your community. You are listening to science. You're listening to good system design on how to mitigate risk. And because you are doing that, you are saving someone's life. I guarantee you this. I promise you this. You are saving someone's life. I don't know whose life it is, but whoever it is is loved by someone, they're important, and they're valuable, just like you and me and everyone else on this planet. So protect them. Protect each other. We know that there are vaccines. They are on the way. They're being distributed. Hang in there for a little bit longer. Do not doubt your resolve. Stay inside. Stay safe. Protect your community. You're doing the right thing, and I thank you for it. Okay, let's talk about software. That's more cheerful. We're going to start with Soma, which as far as I know is a Slackware exclusive, and I could be wrong about that, but there is a... Let's see, packages, Soma. It looks like it's attributed to... Um, uh, uh, I thought I saw someone's name. Yeah. Uh, David Woodfall, who I know, that's a name I know from slackbuilds.org. So I kind of get the sense that maybe this is something that got adopted by Slackware because maybe Patrick Volkerding was using it. And I say that because Patrick Volkerding is credited in the script itself for a make temp patch. So I could imagine possibly David Woodfall developing this little front end, Patrick Volkerding finding it on Linux questions or something, and then adopting it for Slackware. I don't know. I'm making this story up. But point is, name is familiar. 
Patrick Voltreading patched it. Seems like it might be a Slackware exclusive. What is it? Soma is a front end kind of written around mPlayer for something called Soma FM. When I opened up Soma and kind of started poking around, I, I kind of felt like maybe Soma FM was something I'd heard of before, but I couldn't couldn't quite guarantee it. But it does sound vaguely familiar. So anyway, Soma FM is, let's say, a well, according to the website, it is a commercial-free, listener-supported internet radio network, I guess, is the best way to describe it, because the it, it, it wouldn't be a station, because there are lots of smaller stations within the Soma FM network. Now, some people have a really strong connection to pop music and, and stuff that plays on the radio. I've never I've never really exactly been that person. I, I like the idea of radio, and I've definitely heard some... I, I've, I've found radio shows that I really enjoy, and they've, they've often stood out as sort of an exception for me rather than the rule. And I know some people listen to the radio all the time. I'm just not one of those people. I prefer to sort of manage my own music collection and manage what I hear when and so on. But I know there are people out there who really, really just love the sense of discovery and community around sort of being played music from someone who really lives this stuff. You know, a DJ who just knows about all the bands, whether they're all the most popular ones or all the most obscure ones, or better yet, both of them, and so on. I'm saying this because I'm just giving you I'm trying to give you some some expectation about sort of how much I care about radio, which ultimately isn't a whole lot. Th- this isn't my this isn't where I I excel. This is not something that I'm super familiar with. But that said, Soma FM kind of seems really really great, and I'm really happy to have found this Soma front end because there are some really great stations on here. So when you launch Soma, and, and Soma is really, really fascinating, first of all. So if we do a head on user bin Soma, we see that this is a shell this is a shell script. And you'd almost you'd almost not believe it to when when you look at it. It is really, really, really interactive and feels very much like an application. I mean, it all happens in a terminal, it's a curses interface, that sort of thing, but it's just, it's mind-boggling to think that this is a, this is just a bash script. Really, really cool. Um, this is the kind of bash script that, that, that kind of makes me have faith in, in open source's ability to put into a normal person's hand the ability to program stuff, to make applications, useful applications that they want to use often and can use, and other people can use. I mean, this is what I'm always talking about. Like, this is the stuff that we need. We we want this to thrive. We want people to be able to sit down and program applications that are useful to them. And I mean, I'm sure David Woodfall is very, very smart. He's, he maintains very, uh, he, he maintains a lot of Slack builds. I'm, I have no doubt that this guy didn't just sort of sit down and, and, and learn how to do a bash script do, by doing Soma. That, that's probably not how this came about. But it's just, it is an impressive thing, and to know that it's all just done with, with bash scripting, that is very exciting to me. Okay, so when you launch Soma, you get sort of, um, it, it takes, it takes, um, a reading, shall we say, of, of what sound devices are hooked up to your computer. That'll be important because that's gonna be your, your output choices. And you may as well, from what I have learned by, by, messing around with it, is you may as well go down to the fourth option, which is output, oh, fourth, fifth, actually, fifth option, 
which is output, choose sound device, press return, and then set it to whatever output device you want. And in this case, I'm just going to set it to also default for now. But generally speaking, yeah, it'll see everything that play-l sees. If you don't set the output initially, I discovered that it doesn't necessarily play the music when you select the station. Either that or I didn't hear the music, and so I assumed it wasn't playing, which is just as likely as the other as the other possibility but output is important obviously because if you want to hear this you need to know where you're sending the sound okay so after that you can look at the stations you can browse through the different stations there are about i don't know let's just say there are 50 here actually i could find out exactly how many because the stations are are uh listed in stations.conf which is in slash etsy slash soma and slash stations.com. So if I do a wc-l on that, it says 66. I don't know if there's any um, header information there. That No, that looks like it's all just stations. And that's important to know because these are these are stations that are, you know, they're, they're essentially hard-coded. And that means that if you go to somafm.com right now today, you'll find stations that are not listed in this slash etsy slash soma slash stations.conf. So if you want more stations, go visit the site, find something that you like, and put their streaming address here into this c configuration file, then you'll be able to, to listen to it through Soma. So that's a little tip. Um, once you choose your station, once you find one that you like, some of them have names that are m more obvious than others, then eventually you'll start hearing the music play uh, over your computer. And that's pretty cool. So that's um, that'll just start playing. You can kind of check in on it. When you go to stat by going to status, status playing now, and it tells you what radio station you're on. You can also bring up also Mixer, which uh, I don't think that's how I would do it myself, but you could do that, uh, and I, I imagine it would be quite useful if you weren't running a desktop with um, anything better than also Mixer for your controls. There's also a scheduler and um, a track list that you can save, and then a quit option, which obviously exits the application. So it is a, admittedly a pretty simple application. It, it isn't it isn't the the most sort of flexible, robust multimedia application you're ever going to come across. It is it is pretty basic. But because of the the vast selection that Soma FM has, the, the great variety that it offers, I can imagine this being practically all the music application you needed if you're one of those people who really enjoys the radio. Like I say, some people have more of a spiritual connection, as it were, with the radio than other people. Um, but even me, I mean, I didn't grow up with radio. It's, it's not something that I go back to myself often. But even I sometimes want a little background music for something. I mean, I often want background music, but I often want background music that I choose. But sometimes it's just kind of nice to put on something that I don't have to think about, don't have to invest in too much uh, thought-wise, and, and just have it playing in the background as I do something else. And Soma FM is doing the trick. It's really great. It's been a really, really pleasant discovery. And I, I'm not entirely sure if I'm more excited about Soma FM or Soma, but Soma was the gateway for Soma FM, so they really are not too separate from one another in terms of, of the excitement of having discovered this. I have no reason to believe that the track selection on Soma FM is any in any way tied to Creative Commons or any kind of open source licensing or, or free culture licensing. So be aware of that. I, I don't know that that matters to you. I, I'm just I'm just saying that so that so that the communication is clear. If you like radio, though, SomaFM.com seems pretty cool, and Soma is a very convenient and very focused and and 
and slick little interface for it. So give it a shot. Okay, it's uh, probably time for coffee, and I, it's actually a little bit early for coffee, I realize that, but first of all, it's been that kind of week. I'm gonna go for coffee early. Heck, maybe I'll have two coffees this show. So go get a cup of coffee, walk over to your kitchen, get a cup of coffee, come back for more show. <laughs> Let's talk about socks. Socks actually are one of my favorite topics. I, I love a good pair of socks because they're things that you need pretty much all of the time. I, I did try going outside for a while in bare feet, especially here in New Zealand. People go around with bare feet all the time, at least on the North Island they did. Back when I was working at a movie studio back on the North Island, it was very common to be at the production at the production facility and to see people walking through the hallways just in bare feet no shoes it's pretty funny uh and so i did try that for a while i thought seems like a very beautiful and natural thing to do i'll just go outside with bare feet stepped on a bee got stung i'm allergic to bees ever since then i've been very very careful to wear shoes for all but the, the slightest excursion onto the, maybe the, the back porch. Now let's talk about the Socks Command, which is the so-called Swiss Army Knife of audio manipulation. So Socks stands for Sound Exchange. Now this is a big application. It has a lot of different uses, so I'm going to go through some of the most common uses as a way of giving you a feel for how the application works, rather than, for instance, just listing off the options as I do with other commands sometimes. So socks, we'll start with the fact that there are three components to socks in a way. There is socks, the, the command socks itself. This is all based on libsocks, uh, is the library that socks provides. So there's socks, the command, which I would think of it personally, I think of it as sort of a mixing desk or maybe a digital audio workstation if, if you really stretch it. And then there's play, P-L-A-Y. That's not to be confused with A-Play, which is also play. This is just play, P-L-A-Y, and that plays audio files, although that's kind of underselling it. It does more than that. And then there's Rec, R-E-C, which records. So right there, you've got ingesting play, you've got outputting Rec, and then you've got uh, affecting and processing with socks. So we'll start with the, in theory, simple one, which is play. Play, if you type in the word play and then some path to a valid audio file, then you'll hear the audio file through your speakers or, or through whatever output you're sending it to. So this, that's a lot like any other of the media players that we've covered on this show already, like Mad Play and so on. And it works, generally speaking, as, as you'd expect. So if I just type in play and then the path to an audio file, I would hear that, but I might as well take this moment to highlight what you can do beyond that, which, for instance, you can apply filters. And this is where Socks kind of sets itself apart and why it is able to be used more or less as a digital audio workstation under cer certain for, for certain things. But w one of them, for instance, is uh, you could put it through a bass filter, a bass boost. So if you did uh, play example.og bass, plus two, and well, now you're going to hear the 
example.og with a plus two boost to its base frequencies. You can do the same thing with treble, treble plus two or, or plus three, plus one, minus two, whatever. Uh, these are filters, that it, it's an equalizer, the equalization uh, kind of filter. And you can get pretty um, pretty precise with this sort of thing. The, the base in the treble boost is just kind of a generic all-purpose boost. You could do things like, um, well, you can use the equalizer filter. So if you want to pipe it through uh, EQ, then you can do that with equalizer, and then you can specify the frequency that you want to target, and specify the the sort of the width, the, the way that your EQ sort of ramps up and falls off, uh, and then apply gain to to that range. So for instance, if you wanted to boost, I don't know, the human voice a little bit, I mean, you would want to probably verify that you're targeting the correct the correct range because all voices are going to be a little bit different, but the typical range we're looking at, like, let's say 100 hertz to 400 hertz, depending on whether it's male, female, high, low voice, that sort of thing. So uh, let's let's try this out. So we'll do play countdown.wave. This is a, a f- royalty-free sound I found somewhere that I use a lot of times for just testing and stuff like that. So play countdown.wave equalizer 100. I'm just guessing at this vocal range. It's pretty deep voice. Uh, and then let's give it a width of 20 and a gain of let's do well actually let's play it once without anything so we'll just do play countdown dot wave number 10 number nine number yeah and you get the idea that's the normal sound and now i'm going to play it with settings uh play countdown equalizer so i'm piping it through the equalizer targeting 100 hertz so that's just the number 100 space 10 that's my width, and then minus 90. So I'm really cutting out like a, a big chunk of the frequency where this human voice uh, n- naturally falls. Oh, but I need to output this. Okay, so here's something. So play, so- uh, play. that would just play it to my output. And what I, I don't actually want to do that. I want to do socks, countdown.wave. And then the confusing thing here is that I need to put my output. So I'm going to do EQ dot flack and then space equalizer 110 negative 90 and that outputs it for me and then i can load it into audacity so you can hear it number 10 number nine number eight i don't know how great that'll come across through several iterations of of compression and 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 conversion but you get the idea i think i think you'll get the idea uh, you can really just kind of cut down, cut through frequencies and 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 affect how things sound. Now we could also, for instance, do a fade in, and maybe that's what I really should have done instead of EQ because that that will translate no matter what. So I could do, for instance, play or or socks if I want to tr- if I want to record it to a file or or output it to a file. Socks countdown dot wave, and then you can choose a uh, optionally a type of of a fade, a pattern. You can do a, a, a quarter sign, a half sign, or a linear or triangle slope, a logarithmic, or P for inverted parabola. So you can do that, and uh, I guess I'll just, again, just socks, countdown, dot wave. Uh, I think we're going to do P for para- parabola. Why not? I, I, I don't know what that'll sound like. Fade in length. Let's do a good six seconds. So I'm typing in six there, and then I'm going to do... Oh, I forgot to do my output again. So we'll do um, fader.flack, and then the, the filter that we're putting it through is called fade, 
and then the parameter that I want to pass to it is p and then 6 for all of the different um, for the different attributes of my fade. And let's see what that sounds like. Number 10, number 9, number 8. Number seven. I think you can tell that that was getting a little bit louder, probably. So the syntax for socks can get a little bit complex. Sometimes it seems really, really obvious. For instance, when you are concatenating two audio files, for instance, the syntax is exactly more or less, I think, what you would expect. Socks one dot wave, two dot wave, output dot wave. That would concaten concatenate one dot wave and two dot wave into a file called output. Dot wave. That's pretty straightforward, but it doesn't always, that, that's, that's, that's not, don't get too used to that sort of like input, input, output syntax because it can, it can become more complex than that depending on what you are trying to do in your command. So according to Socks, it's, it's theoretical work, uh, workflow is input combiner effects output. But strangely enough, and by Socks, by, by the, the man page's own admission that's not actually how you put it in you don't that's not how you write it in your command it says that on the socks command line the positions of the outputs and the effects are swapped so that's that's weird um, and also the options pertaining to files are placed before the respective file name and the opposite is true for effects so what they're kind of saying in, in a really sort of roundabout way here is that effects are tagged on are tacked on at the end of your command generally speaking the the, the combiner part is more or less optional. And then also, by the way, file names can have properties prepended to them for Sox's own use. Wow, that's a lot of information. And it does make the commands that you issue with Sox a little bit weird, but, or, or it, it makes them a little bit, it, it takes a while to learn the, the correct format. FFmpeg is not unlike this in, in many regards. Sometimes the position of a of an option differs d depending on, or, or it, it will change the context of that option, of, of what that option is referring to. So for instance, let's say you're trying to combine uh, a file that you you know is, um, I don't know, 16k sample rate, and you're not sure that Sox knows that, for whatever reason. Maybe it's a raw file that doesn't have any inf information about what, how to, how to parse it. So you might say something like socks-r16k one dot wave two dot wave output dot wave. Now, because the dash r comes right before an input file, you're telling socks, "Hey, I'm I'm about to give you this input file. I know better than you. I know that its sample rate is 16k. Therefore, treat it that way." Now that doesn't affect its output. It just affects how it ingests that input file, which could be significant, and uh, frequently it is significant. Uh, in fact, you can hear you can hear what what happens sometimes when you let socks just kind of try to guess guess what it what it wants to do. Um, well, you know what? I'll try to I'll try to demonstrate that later. Uh, I'll try to demonstrate a mistake later uh, because the mistake that I can produce for you is a little bit more advanced, and I don't want to jump the gun. So there's the properties that you can put before an input file, and then there are properties that you can put, of course, before the output file, and that would affect the, the manner in which Sox produces that output. But but wait a minute, don't, don't, don't think about that output too fast, because if you want to pipe it through effects, like that bass boost or a fader or an EQ uh, effect or, or whatever effect you, you want, you tack those on at the end as an afterthought. That feels very unnatural. 
because we just named the output file. So we're done with our command, right? We ended on... No, that's not... That, unfortunately, if, if you've got the effects, you're basically... If you, if you imagine that you're taking a cable and routing it from your mixer to an aux mixer or, or an effect unit or something and then bringing that back into the mixer, that's kind of what you're doing. You're sort of outboarding the, the effects in, in your command, if that makes any sense to you. If you've never used hardware uh, mixers and effect units, then it probably doesn't make that much sense to you, but if you have, then that makes sense to you. Otherwise, you just remember, effects get tacked on at the end, just like when you're playing a sound, which we which we did, right? We did play uh, countdown, dot wave, or flack, or whatever it was, and then fader uh, 3, or, or fade, rather, uh, P3, or, or whatever kind of um, fader we want, L, L3, whatever, L6, whatever. So those effects, they get tacked on at the end, but it's not actually happening at the end, it's just, we, we just put them at the end. Okay, so that that seems weird, and it is weird, maybe, but once you remember it, then then you just kind of start remembering it, and then you're good to go. Okay, so let's see, uh, what else can we do with socks? Well, um, so we have this, we have this concept of these, these different, we, we have effects, and we have a combiner, uh, and then we've got our output and our input. So let's let's take a look at something where we can combine stuff, uh, because this is this could be something that you would do. And this is something that I was trying to work into my workflow for a while. Never really got around to it because I realized I just prefer um, the the efficiency of a GUI um, audio recording environment, so that I can stop and remove a mistake that I make or something like that, whereas with Socks, it's a little bit less easy to, to do that. So with Socks, though, we can do some interesting things, and maybe I'll, I'll walk through a couple of couple of errors here, because this is, this can be kind of educational. So first of all, let's say we've got a, we've got some music, like a little intro sequence that we need to combine with this countdown sample that I have. But the first thing that we need to know, uh, so I've got two assets. I've got countdown.mp3 actually is what it is right now, uh, if we're starting from the beginning. So countdown.mp3 and game show underscore cc creativecommons.flack. So these are two sample files that I've gotten. I use them as uh, demo files much as, much as I am here. So the first, first step when when you're when when you're sitting down with with multimedia assets, generally speaking, is to figure out what it is you've got. And this, you know, if if you've produced those assets yourself, you may know perfectly well what you've got. But if you are working on someone else's project with them, or you're working completely outsourced, and they're just sending you information every night, and you have to deal with it, then you definitely need to do a little bit of research because you don't know what they're giving you. They could be giving you uh, something encoded at at forty four. Dot one kilohertz, they could 44, 48, uh, I just said 44, uh, 48, 96 is what I meant. It could be 12-bit, 16-bit, it could be a file that's an hour long, but only the first 10 seconds of it actually has sound that you need. It could be um, an audio file that's 10 seconds, but it was supposed to be a minute. You know, you, you just don't know. So the first thing that you would probably do is a socks-info, and then the path to that file. So in this case, it's going to be countdown.mp3, and it tells me input file is countdown.mp3, channels is 1, that's important to know, sample rates 44.1, precision 16-bit, duration 11 seconds and 21 whatever milliseconds samples i'm not sure uh file size 179 bitrate 128 sample encoding mpeg audio layer 1 2 or 3 great that's good to know and then we can do the same thing with game show underscore cc flack so that's telling me that it's got two channels so that's important now we've got mixed we've got one 
sound thing with one channel and one sound uh, file with two 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 channels. That doesn't always work that well. Uh, sample rate forty four one. Precision twenty four bit. That's interesting too. That's that's important to know. Uh, duration is fifteen seconds. A little bit longer, but uh, not 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 that bad. File size uh, don't care. Bit rate one point five three megabits. And sample encoding is twenty four bit FLAC. Okay, cool. So let's let's say that we're going to combine these things. That's that's let's just assume that that was the order that we've received. So we'll do a, a socks dash dash combine, and then we need to know what kind of combine uh, it's going to be. And the way that I find that out, if I forget, is dash dash combine and then space question mark. Although I could actually just write I don't know penguin doesn't matter. Anything that isn't the right thing will prompt socks to sort of tell me what my choices are. So it says um, dash dash combine penguin is not one of sequence, concatenate, mix, mix dash power, merge, and multiply. So we'll um, we'll do a socks dash dash combine. Let's just do a mix right now. And we'll do uh, countdown.mp3 and game show dot flack. And we know that the output, well, we'll just put output dot flack for now. Okay, so right away it says socks warning input files don't have the number the same number of channels and that's correct that they, they don't and we know they don't already we knew that because socks when we looked at the information it, it told us how it sort of broke down so what we can do instead of mixing is we can merge so socks dash dash combine merge countdown.mp3 game show output flack all right so let me play let me play what happened number 10 number 9 number 8 number 7 there you go. They they got combined in a way. I mean, they they got combined by a method called merge. Which, if we if we look at socks dash dash info output dot flack, we'll see something pretty interesting. So the input file output dot flack channels three sample rate forty four one precision sixteen uh, and so on. So that's kind of kind of interesting because what we've actually done is produced a three channel audio file. Which, if you, for instance, import that into Audacity, means that it'll come up as three separate tracks. Which can be great, I mean, if that's what you're looking for. If you're looking for a five-channel audio file, seven-channel audio file, you can do that with a combined merge. But maybe that's not what you want. Maybe you really only wanted a stereo mix, or maybe you only wanted a mono mix. In which case, as far as I know, and if, if someone knows better, I'd love to hear about the trick, but as far as I know, in order to do that, you simply need to standardize your media. So in this case, the, the two channels, the thing with two channels looks to be the game show. So I want to squash that into a mono. I want to mix that down to mono. Now, this is, you have to remember the position of the options. So we do socks, and then we do game show dot flack, and then dash dash channel one game mono. If we had put the channels at the front of the command socks dash dash channels one game show dot flack, then that wouldn't that that would simply tell socks treat this as a, a single channel file. We would still end up potentially with a two channel audio file because we're not telling it to give us a one channel. Now in this case, because I am putting channels in front of the output file, that option applies to the output file specifically, and therefore we should get a mono, a mono track. And I can confirm that obviously with socks dash dash info game mono.flack, and there it is, channels one, 24 bit, and so on. Okay, so now I'm gonna combine these things. So I'm gonna do socks dash dash combine mix, and then we'll do a countdown.flack, and then a game mono.flack, and I'll just put that out to output.flack. And actually I'm gonna do a channels just to make sure channels one. 
socks dash dash info output is one channel. Perfect. Okay. And I'll import that now so you can hear it. Number 10, number 9, number 8, number 7, number 6. And now they're combined. And you can do that sort of thing all you want. You just have to kind of remember that the position of the options will 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 change the meaning of that option. So if, a, if an option comes before a file name, then up until that file name, those are the options that apply. And then they're dropped. And the next file name has either some options or no options and then they're dropped, and then you have your output destination, and then after the output destination, you have your effects. And if there is no output destination, then the output destination is your standard output, not your standard output, your default audio output, and your effects apply to it. So that can be somewhat disorienting because, you know, I guess it would be easier maybe if there was a dash dash output, and it was either a file path or some string representing your default audio. But that's not, that isn't how it works. So just remember that those, the position of those options really, really does matter. Okay, let's see. Is there anything else that I need to talk about here? That might be like that, that kind of is mainly, like that's a lot of, it's a lot of what it can do right there. That's kind of the big, the big deal right there. Um, dash dash guard is good. That invokes a, a gain effect or a limiting effect really, uh, an anti-gain effect to guard against clipping of audio. So if something's too, too loud as it's getting processed, it'll get knocked down to, you know, zero or, or whatever it is. And that, that's one of those options that you can kind of give up at the beginning of the, of the, uh, the process. That, that's a, that's another thing that's a little bit confusing. That, that combiner option that they talk about in their, in their overview, considered their global options, those can go at the beginning of your command. So, like, you can put, uh, you know, dash dash guard or dash dash clobber or dash dash combine dash dash effects file, which uh, allows you to specify effects in a separate file and then sort of bring that in as the thing that you is that you pass off to to socks. Couple of different options like that you can stick at the front of the command. I think that's poor. You know, it violates its own logic, and I I think that's a little bit of a problem for me personally, but that's just, uh, you know, they, they got to do what they got to do, I'm assuming. I mean, it, it's uh, probably got a lot to do with just how it, uh, how options and parameters and arguments and things like that get processed as you're programming, and it's not easy all the time to try to figure out the best syntax. That can be difficult, so I, I definitely sympathize, but I guess that's something that you as the user must remember, that some things are considered global, some things are specific to the next file you name, and then other things are effects and need to get tacked on at the end of the file, or at the end of the command anyway. And all of that stuff is, you're, you're going to be looking at the man page for that stuff. Like, the, 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 these options that I'm talking about, those are in the, in the man page. That's your menu. You want to go to your man page and look around and see what you have to, to play around with. And there's all kinds of effects. I mean, you can, you can even produce sound from, from, oscillators from emulated oscillators uh, from from play uh, play synth and it will it will produce sound to your specification you can define your sound you, the shape of your wave define what frequency you're playing pipe that sound through a flanger or an echo effect all kinds of things i mean it's it's really really flexible but in a way it's it's so flexible that i can imagine getting overwhelmed or just plain lost as to where to start. So the way that I would approach this were I you looking to mess around with socks is to d define the 
the task you wish to accomplish. For me, when I started really playing around with socks outside of it just being a conversion tool, I, I decided I wanted to have an intro sequence, like my voice saying, uh, you're listening to GNU World Order episode, whatever, and then some music fading in over that, and then the music would continue, and then my voice would come back in, and the music would fade back down. So in other words, I, I wanted to stitch together the different segments of a podcast that I was recording with socks. And that seemed like a very manageable thing to do, and it was, but it ended up being one of those things where the scripting required to do that was going to be a lot more, it was going to be a bigger deal than I realized, and the number of files produced was going to be a little bit more than maybe I realized, because, you know, let's say you have, I don't know, three, three segments of audio, three, three assets, and you want to combine them such that the first segment is this is the teaser, and then over the teaser comes the intro music, and then after the intro music comes the 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 show. Well, two of those files you can you can do a fade you know you can do a fade in from from teaser to music. You can have the music fading into the end of the teaser. That's fine. You can do that, and that produces a third file called well a fourth file if we're counting from including the the show. So fourth file called I guess you know uh, teaser plus intro combined dot flack, and then you have to take teaser plus intro combined dot flack and combine that with the show. So now you've got the show coming in at the end of teaser plus intro music, and, and so now you're producing a fifth file, which is all of those files combined. And that's only with three files. So you've got three input files, and now you've already got two output files, only one of which you actually care about in the end. It's not a travesty. This is the kind of thing that that is very common. I mean, if you look at Audacity, if you look into your file system, if you're using Audacity, you'll see that there are there's a whole folder of little snippets of audio that you have no idea how they all go together. Uh, if you look at the, you know, if you look behind the scenes of something like Caden Live or or any multimedia application that is combining streams into into single files, you get a lot of little little bits and pieces that that have to be generated in order to produce certain segments of of audio or video. It's just you're you're now the thing that has to deal with that with those temporary files in in with socks because it's not going to do that for you. You you've produced them, you have to keep track of them, you have to ditch the old ones and so on. And it, it's it's not a problem, it's just that that's a different workflow than not having to worry about your temporary files and being able to do everything visually and so on. But if if you're doing something programmatic and predictable, and you know you you know that whatever people upload to this directory, you're gonna take that and you're gonna prepend the intro music, and maybe you're gonna do a little bit of a crossfade just for those final three seconds or something. That's great. Now you know you you have that information. You can do that programmatically. You can script it with socks. Not a problem. And that's I think kind of the way that I would approach it is just define exactly what your inputs are going to be, and what you want your output output to be and what what do you have to do to get from here to there and a lot of times it is it's something that you have to do in steps and in chunks because socks has certain expectations about its own workflow and it's a little bit different than what you might think your workflow should be or, or would be certainly in a gui editor of any sort uh let me I'll, I'll just kind of read off some of just real quick some of the effects that we're looking at here because there are a lot and it is very cool so you have, and I'm just kind of page page downing through this this uh, this man page. We have, um, where did it go? Band, 
all pass band bend chorus chorus effect um don't know what this is uh let's see contrast dc shift don't care don't care de-emphasize delay down sample that's it's always good earwax which makes audio easier to listen to on headphones so essentially i believe um well it says adds cues to 44 1 kilohertz stereo i.e audio cd format so that when listened to two on headphones, the stereo image is moved from inside your head, standard for headphones, to outside and in front of uh, a listener. So that's manipulating the the sort of the stereo spread. Echo, echoes, plural, equalizer, flanger, uh, gain, ladspa, high pass or low pass, loudness, noise pref, norm, uh, oops, that's a out of phase stereo effect. I don't know why you would want to uh, impose that, but you, you, I guess you can. Oh, apparently it's something for, it says it's known as the karaoke effect, because it has the effect of removing most or all vocals from a recording. I don't believe it. I would want to hear it. Uh, overdrive, pad, phaser, pitch, so you can change the pitch of a voice, but not the tempo. Rate, adjusting the sample rate, I guess, right? Would that be the uh, the sample rate? Yeah, sample rate, okay. Reverb, that's a good one. Repeat, silence, RIAA, vinyl playback equalization, sync, spectrogram, and probably even more than that. So it, it's great little application, something to mess around with. Just kind of define what you want to do with it first and then just scrub through that man page and figure out how you can get to your ultimate goal from all of the many tools it, it provides you. That is everything I have to say about socks, I think. Hopefully that little demonstration kind of helps you uh, sort of wrap your head around it. Like I say, it's a complex, it is it is not easy. It is something that, that you could mess around with forever and probably never learn every little nuance of it. But it is a very powerful thing uh, for certain use cases, for that scripted use case. It's very, very powerful. So check it out if you have use for it. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next week. listening to the GNU World Order AUGcast. This has been Klaatu. You can reach me on IRC. I'm on the Freenode network usually in channels such as AUGcast Planet, Slacker Media, Slackware, a couple of others. My nick on IRC is not Klaatu. You can also reach me lately on Mastodon. My username there is at Klaatu at Mastodon.xyz. Of course, you can email me at clatu at member.fsf.org. That's clatu at member.fsf, as in free software foundation.org. And of course, you can visit my various websites, gnuworldorder.info and slackermedia.info. I will see you next time.
get the robots to do all the fiddly stuff. 